Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host, here to give you a great program. Anyhow, welcome aboard. Bridge MCP, you, you just said Michael feel better. Is Michael not feeling well? Uh, let's see, E2247, welcome aboard. Paul Fleming from ATL, welcome aboard. AVQ, Michael Rudnan, welcome aboard. Let's see who else we got. Bridge, no, uh, M- uh, Facebook is, is there. It probably just happened to come up a little later than the others. You know how that happens sometimes. Anyhow, let's see, let's see, let's see what we've got today. Today on our program, let me get to that screen right now real quick. Our program today is titled, Biden Taunts Trump, Progressives, Biden's Best Friend? Texas Anti-Woman Bill Fail. Why? We'll talk about that. Real Jobs Report, we'll talk about that as well. Okay, let's see what we got here. Michael Rodden says... This wildly invented wind turbine generates five times more energy than its competitors. This is a thing of beauty. I got to look that up. Didn't know about it. Uh, Michael Rodden also said, I'm away in the park with family on my way soon. Quick share plus a few comments. Feeling off today. See ya for the second half. Maybe. Oh, I see what she was talking about. I hope you're not completely off, my brother. You're, you're trusted. You are a, an invaluable part of our family. Okay, let's see what else we got here. Michael Rodden also says, Corporate America is lobbying for climate disaster. The underlying corruption of big money in politics will be our civilization's end. I am going to tell us again, all of us again, we have control. You know, a friend of mine sent me a note a few days ago. And I said the reason why I maintain happiness under all conditions, and I try, I, I, the only thing that has been able to knock me off once was when my daughter, my daughter had a stroke and that was tough, but I, I still maintained what, what I, how I had to maintain and get things done. But when she had a sort of a relapse, uh, that hurt to the core and it knocked me off keel for a while. Ran down there to, to D.C. And I couldn't let her see that I was off, but I was really off. But I, another friend, I looked at her and I said, let me tell you something. Control. That is a magic word. Control. Divide your items, the issues that confront you. Divide it into the things that you have control over and control it. And the things that you don't have control over... Manage how you will respond to not having control. Manage that. And you'll find that managing that gives you avenues to deal with said control. And the reason I'm saying that is, in our society today, as we see that we have the right wing going crazy, we have the white supremacists ready for civil war, we have all these bad things that are that look like they're happening. We don't have control over what the white supremacists do. We don't have control over what those people that wear masks can do. We don't have control over those things immediately. But you know what we have control over? There's still more of us with a good sound mind than those crazies out there. One of the things that we have control over is who we put into government. One of the things we have control of is how we engage other people. 
We have control over all those things. And in controlling the things that we have control of, we can later mitigate the things that we currently do not have control of. And if we start thinking that way, it is almost like piecemealing things together. And as, as an example, we have control over engaging enough people to win the election in 2022. We do have control over that. If we put ourselves in an uncontrollable ball where we cannot function to do what we know we need to do, we won't elect the people that we need to elect and then all the bad things that we are fearing will be realized. However, if we take control now and we work towards what we know we need to work towards to engage and bring those into government we need to, bring those into, into society we need to, bring those into different functions that we need to, that in itself will mitigate the white supremacists, will put them aside, will put them down. That in effect will mitigate them on maskers, will force them to mask or else they are excommunicated from society. Those who refuse to vaccinate or accept the vaccination mandates for the security of us all will make, will put them aside as well and will, will create a wall around those who refuse to be civil, who refuse to be civilized. And it is in step one, step two, step three. One of the reasons I'm doing this is this is something that I have control over. I can control being, trying to invest my time, my energy into empowering others to empower others. That's something that I can do. That is something that I am doing. That is something that I will do. And all of us can put those things into perspective. Michael Rodden also says, uh, American monopoly, America has a monopoly problem, true. Coalition backs legislation to break up big tech. If you include regional monopolies and duopolies, most of our nation has this problem, true. It's not limited to tech companies. However, corporations own most of our government, so I expect not but apologies but more hot air from CEOs and politicians alike. I don't know if you guys saw the piece that I did with Intel. Actually, I did because I, I, I played it here. But I want, you to, I want you to get the gist of why I did that piece on Intel using 60 Minutes. Because 60 Minutes put this piece on with Intel and how they now want government subsidies after investing all of their profits into giving it back to their investors, their, their shareholders, and their, their uh, executives. And now they want us to bail them out. They want us to build factories for them here in America. And one of the reasons I use that 60-minute piece and try to put some more legs onto it is because what you're able to see is Amer the, av the average a corporation are only as powerful as Americans think they are. And they're not that powerful when we take control. That's, it, that's why it's a balancing act that they do. It's a balancing act as far as how far they go. Now, if we are educated enough to understand that they are thieves, like I call them, the thievery of the corporation, more of us will rebel and start electing the people more of the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez line of 
progressives that will take power in hand and take the power and give it back to the people. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Uh, Paul Fleming says we need to make a, a, a law called a woman's heartbeat. As long as a woman has a heartbeat, no one can ever tell her what she can or cannot do with her body. Period. Agreed. E2247. Hi, Michael. Let's see. Uh, Vridge MCP. I didn't see this. Biden taunts Trump. Are you playing it? Yes, I am, ma'am. I am. The reason you haven't seen it is I had to hurry up and put it together. I hadn't turned it into a blog yet. Rose Williams says, hi, everyone. Texas SB8 put people in charge of law enforcement. It's amazing. And the Supreme Court doesn't want to take that up. If plaintiff wins, they pocket $10,000 plus court costs plus everything else. Yes, it's a ripoff. It's the biggest fraud I've seen. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Peggy Lopez, restream bot traveling through the Midwest this summer. Those states appear to be vested in those graceful, elegant windmills for power generation. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Will other Republicans dominate state legislature enact equivalents of the Texas law? Yes, they will. We're going to play a piece on that as well. Democrats enlarge Supreme Court right now before U.S. You know, I mean, we better start working fast. Nanette Bird-Smith, welcome aboard. Uh, who else have we got here? Uh, let's see. Joan McCarter, Daily Coast staffer. Yes. What did she write about? Yeah, I saw that piece on Kavanaugh. I didn't read it, though. Uh, AVQ says, found a hot spot. This phone's internet is trash. <laughs> I hear you, brother. I hear you. Okay. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Michael. Let's see. Michael, I hear you. I feel the same way lately. Tom C. says, great points. At E2247, E2247, our folks always have great points. Plague enthusiast. Uh, let's see what else we got here before I, I move on to the videos. The new vigil, Tom C says, the new vigilante-based anti-abortion legislation passed by the Texas Taliban in Austin is an example of Republican Sharia law. The GOP has become the party of plutocratic anti-democratic theocracy. Tom C, it's still early in the day, but so far... Tom C. has the phrase of the day. I love that. Let me repeat it. The new vigilante-based anti-abortion legislation passed by the Texas Taliban in Austin is an example of Republican Sharia law. The GOP has become the party of plutocratic anti-democratic theocracy. Hey, folks, I, for I need to remind you, by the way, tomorrow is Ask Egberto Anything Day. Ask Egberto Anything Day. And let me run to that uh, page so that I can go ahead and give you guys the, the, uh, the, the link so that you guys can go ahead and sign up to that. Let me just give you my sub stack. Go ahead, folks, and sign up for the Zoom tomorrow at 11 Central. Join me. I would love to have more than two people like I had the last time. So join me at that tomorrow, please. I just put the link to my newsletter that I sent out last night. It has the link to it in there. Found a hotspot. The phone is trash. Okay, let's continue with, uh, let's see what else we got here. Rose says, so Texas forces women to keep a fetus safe, but refuse to force parents and teachers to keep the children safe. Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. Rose Williams, that is prescient. You're so right about that. Robert Davenport. By the way, Robert, I sent you an email saying that, yes, I'd like to check out that stuff with your new, um, 
your new network. So, uh, you know, uh, hit me up on that. I think I sent a, an email back to you. I don't know if you received it or not saying let's go for it. Maywood. Hello, y'all from Long Beach, California. Welcome aboard, Maywood. Uh, who else have we got on? Let's see. Squido. Hola, Egberto. Como estas, Squido? Hola, como estas? All right. The first video is Biden. I, I think you're going to like this one because I actually thought Biden did a good job at the press conference today. Uh, let's see. Pacific time, it would be 9 o'clock. Yeah, because we're two hours ahead central time. Sign up. Go click on the link. Sign up. And actually, the, the, when you go into Zoom, it should give you the appropriate time. Uh, but anyhow, let's get busy and give you the first video of the day. Biden just gave an economic speech. And within that economic speech, he did something that I, that I thought was kind of cute but important. He taunted, he taunted Trump using the stock market, but he took it a step beyond. And I think it's important what he did today. What's your thoughts? The House and Senate have to advance my Build Back Better agenda. That bill contains critical investments in child cares to make it easier for families to be able to go to work. In home care for seniors, the polling data shows among your generation, all of you out here, your greatest concern is caring for your elderly parent. It's about paid leave, allowing people with a new child or a sick spouse at home to take care of them without risking losing their paycheck. Not indefinitely, but for a time period, they can actually make a difference. Universal pre-K and community college, making us significantly better educated and increasing our competitive edge globally. And we'll combat climate change by building our clean energy future, creating millions of jobs and building windmills and solar panels all around the country and transmitting it to parts that don't have that capacity. We're going to bring down the cost of prescription drugs by allowing Medicare to finally be able to negotiate drug prices with producers and so much more. We're going to deliver these investments without raising taxes one cent on anyone making less than $400,000 a year. We're going to do it by leveling the playing field, by just having a fair system where we ask the largest corporations and the wealthiest Americans to begin to pay their fair share, not more. They can still make millions of dollars. The super wealthy are still going to be able to have three homes. It's not going to affect anything. The fact of the matter is, though, it's about time they begin to pay their fair share. Fifty-five of the largest corporations in America last year paid zero in federal taxes. It just seems to me it's time they start to pay their fair share, like everybody else. And it comes up to billions of dollars if they pay. The irony of ironies is during the recession and the pandemic, when the vast majority of Americans are struggling just to hang on, the number of billionaires in America actually grew. <laughs> I want to hold here for just a second. If You know, there have been so many records the stock market has hit under my presidency. Imagine if the other guy was here. We're doing great. It's wonderful. The stock market is surging. It's gone up higher than me than anybody. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean that it's the best for the economy. Stock market has set 40 record highs just this year. They can afford to pay just a little bit more. But folks, right now, the House and Senate are working on my plan to generate a fair tax system and close loopholes that big corporations and super wealthy use to pay less. There's a group of experts left, right, and center who estimate that right now we lose more than one hundred billion dollars a year in tax revenue owed from the top one percent of taxpayers alone not because of low tax rates but because the wealthy people aren't paying the taxes they owe we're going to change that so that they pay taxes just like typical hard-working americans do right now 
We're going to use the money we collect from the tax cuts for to give tax cuts to middle class families, to make it easier to raise kids, to take care of your aging parents and so much more. Not a single Republican supports this plan. And some big corporations are spending millions of dollars to try to escape their obligation to pay the taxes they owe, leaving working families to pay a larger share of the burden. Somebody's got to pay. And when those who can afford to pay aren't paying anywhere near their fair share, it means you all pay more. I love the construction of this speech that he gave today because he did all the things a Democrat needs to do. But before I explain this in detail, please remember, click on that stuff up there if you like the videos that we make, if you're in support of what we're trying to do here to expand the progressive message, etc. But anyhow, I love, I love what he did. Number one, he articulated what he wanted to do. But he didn't only say what he wanted to do. He said, I want to do childcare so that people can go to work. I want to do uh, extended leave so that people can take care of their families, etc., etc., etc. What I want to do, what problem it solves. Perfect, uh, perfect articulation. Second thing that he did, he went ahead and he, he, he made minuscule the previous president who only ta- talked about the stock market as if that had a relationship with the average American family, which it does not really. That's an imaginary gambling casino. But the, the what affects the families are quite different. And he, dem- he, he minusculed the former president for concentrating on that and not the middle class. Then what, what he did is he made sure people, the next thing that people always have in their mind is, well, we can't really do all of that. How is it going to be paid for? He did two things very importantly. He said, uh, for those people that are making this amount of money, $400,000 and below, you will see no tax increases. So then who is going to pay for it? He then says, the wealthy is going to pay for that. The wealthy is going to pay for that. The next question then is, but wait a minute. You can't suck it to the wealthy. There's not even enough money to do that for the wealthy. And then he points out, look, even at the heights of the pandemic, imagine we created more billionaires. So they continue to remember that. Then he points out, and by the way, there's $100 billion without any tax increase at all that these rich yahoos, are hiding from you and not paying. We want to collect that. And there's even further. There, Do you know that many of them actually pay legally zero in taxes? We've got to correct that as well. So there's a lot of places where we can get money from. So you don't need to feel like if we are sucking it to the rich, somehow it's going to affect you. Or, or if given making the rich pay, it's going to somehow change your standard of living. It is not. The thing about it is the wealthy... Their obsession with wealth is obscene because it is not about them creating anything or anything of that sort. It's about just accumulating, hurting wealth, hurting capital because they can. That's what it's about. Capital that, by the way, is unearned. I, I, we, we have to get that into people's psyche as well. So the, so the construction of this speech, and then, then he wanted to show that they not, it, he ended that portion that I clipped. They don't pay their fair share affects you. So that he made it a direct result of their intransigence, something that materially, economically affects you. 
the speech I think was well constructed and at that you got the necessary ding on the former president so that whatever words he come out and say now, ha, huh, you only thought about the stock market. I think that was excellently constructed. Great job. Now, what we as middle class folk have to do is hold the president accountable to those pretty words. Make sure that he turned those words into action. Again, turn those words into action. You know what is interesting? I posted this with a little blog on uh, Daily Coast. And the first two messages I got, they tore me up. You know, they said like, uh, oh, Biden isn't, uh, Biden is just all talk and no action, right? And I, I took exception to that. I, you guys all know that I'm a progressive left-wing Bernie kind of guy, or, or, and sometimes even left a, left a Bernie. But um, I like Biden's, uh, you know, I think Biden has come through for progressives uh, much better than we ever thought he could or would. I mean, when you, took, when you take a look at the, uh, the emergency bill, what is it called? The rescue plan. The rescue plan was much more than we expected. And what the rescue plan actually, and I'm going to write a blog on this. I'm going to write a, an extensive blog on this because I think a lot of progressives want I don't, know what the, I don't know what they want Biden to do. Fall on the knife and just say, I'm now a progressive. Biden is not a progressive. Biden is a neoliberal that is serving all of his constituency. And I can live with that as long as progressives get served as well. So my thing is, if you take a look at the American Rescue Plan, you ought to, be, you ought to look at it and say, I would never have expected this from Biden, a plan that took over 50%, and it's true, 50% of Americans out of poverty, of, of, of children out of poverty, a plan that during a pandemic allowed people to sit at their butt, on their butts and sit down and contemplate, finally take a breath and say, what do I really want to do? Where they are no longer slaves to the corporatocracy. Sit back for a few months and say, what do I really want to do? He did that with the rescue plan and with the $3.5 trillion American uh, human infrastructure plan. That is much better than any president since Roosevelt. Obama didn't even come close with, with, the, uh, with the plan. What, the rescue plan that, that Biden had was orders of magnitude larger than what Obama did. Let's remember that. It's important. So we need to keep the pressure on Biden, yes. But let's also be fair and let's not cut him by the, let's not cut the legs from under him if, we, if he can be an, an, a constructive tool to use. So what I want to show you is, I, I think I'm going I'm to, the, the next video I'm going to show you is, um, I better show you the one about the person, ah, this guy was talking to, uh, uh, what's her name? I know which one I'm going to show. There is this interview that was given today. Uh, actually, there was a panel on TV today by Stephanie Rule. And Stephanie asked an uh, economist, hey, what do you think about this jobs report, which was not as good as we expected to? And I think they were trying to put that, oh, the government may be helping people too much why they are not going back to work, etc. So they didn't quite say that, but you could see that that was in the air. And this businessman, I think, blew that out of the water 
with his commentary. I want you to listen to this and, and, and see exactly what I'm talking about. Check this out. Normally, higher wages is the number one thing to seduce people back into the workforce. Why isn't it happening? I, I think that you've got people who are saying, can I get to survival? <laughs> right. So $15 an hour was really what people needed to just survive. If you were making 12 bucks an hour and you're a family of three or four, uh, you're making 20, uh, 23, 24, $25,000 a year in a 40 hour week. So they're just getting to, a, getting to a point now with a $15 an hour wage weight, where it's what I call a respectable living wage in most places. But that's still a, is not enough risk reward for folks to go back into high risk jobs at, at a time where they see the Delta variant killing people at a stronger rate, as he just mentioned, as the original variant. And they don't see national leaders pulling together with the same message. I think this is a lot of erosion here, Stephanie, of confidence. All the stuff we've been talking in the last four or five years, people saying don't trust your government, national leaders saying don't trust your national government, it's starting to have an effect. People are now saying, okay, I'm not going to trust you, okay? Uh, I'm going to trust me, and unfortunately, I'm going to trust the internet. <laughs> and so they're, they're, they don't have daycare. They don't have health care. They don't have safe places to work. They're going 15 bucks an hour is not enough risk. Oddly enough, who is taking that risk? College-educated white men who are getting paid more in compensation and in stocks. They're saying, I'll go back to work, <laughs> okay? So you actually, if you look at these numbers, white men are doing really well. Everybody else, by the way, they always is do. taking it in the tank. So, so this, is, uh, this, we, you really, this is a pivot to class versus race, which I've been talking about for years at Operation Hope. The new issue is green. The color is green, not red or blue, or white or black is green. And parents are saying, I'm not ready yet. I don't see confidence in schools. Uh, workers are saying, I don't see a, a gateway to go to a sustainable job. Uh, those seasonal jobs, those jobs were seasonal, by the way. And, and the people are saying, I'm going to go take a manufacturing job. It's less risk than working in this restaurant, uh, and it's slightly higher pay. These numbers actually make a lot of sense when you actually look at them. And California is going to drop 2.2 million people from extended unemployment next week. By the way, 7.5 people roll off of extended unemployment. So you're going to have a lot of data points in the next 30 days where some people are just forced to go back to work, by the way, because they got too much money at the end of their money. There's a, lot of, there's a lot to unpack here, but I think it's more than just the data itself. You and I have been talking about a living wage for a very long time. Now that we are getting to better numbers, $15 an hour, $20 an hour, and that doesn't seem to be changing. The rainbow of the storm for this crisis has been a reset to a living wage. That's not going away. I was in Maui last week, and the, uh, a retail store was advertising 15 bucks an hour, uh, plus benefits. That's not temporary. That's permanent. That's a good thing for the economy. We, we will all be, be able to manage that. I'm a small business owner. I pay my workers that or better, I think we'll all be just fine. I think the biggest point here, uh, Stephanie, the, the pivot that we still need to make, that I think will restore confidence and get us moved. By the way, black folks were more than 50% lower on this report on unemployment. So I want to make sure that's, that, that's also said. This was all, not all rosy news uh, for all groups, particularly African-Americans. I think all these groups at the bottom that are struggling with too much money into their money, Stephanie, are going to pivot to confidence when you see this infrastructure bill passed. If we get human capital infrastructure in here, training folks for the workers of the future or work for the future, robotics, AI, computing, technology, where we're going in the future, you're going to have the Marshall Plan of the 21st century. We're, you know, we're, we're, How do we recover from World War II? And we're at war right now. Be clear about that. It's just a war without bombs and bullets. Okay. Every time you invest in the bottom of the pyramid in this country, in the last 100 years, 100 plus years, the economy booms. Every time. That's statistically proven. 
And after World War II, the economy took off like a rocket because of the Marshall Plan. That was enough. It was educa- more education. You shut down your throat. It was a mortgage for a new home and apprenticeship for a job for the future. And that mostly benefited white men. That's where the white middle class came from that everybody's benefiting from. We now need to have that again for this new generation. And I think you're going to see confidence soar in the economy boom and we'll outrun inflation. His statement is very important. And not only that, his care for the worker is important. Why should you risk your life working at minimum wage or a wage that's not a living wage? It doesn't make any sense. And, and when, I, when I came to the defense of my, my, my friend, Mr. Dr. Biden or President Biden, that's what I'm talking about. People got a chance to recalibrate with the stipend that they got uh, from the government. People are going to say, oh, they're sitting on their butts doing nothing. Look, we have allowed the plutocracy to use Americans as antiseptic slaves for a very long time. They have been working for so much less than they're worth for, uh, for such a long time. With all these guys getting tax breaks, giveaways, and everything, I am for giving people a rest. Give them a break so that they can recalibrate. And in that recalibration, companies are starting to find out that, okay, you don't want us to, you can't get the pelotas to pass a, a living wage. We will force a living wage because nobody's going to work for you on, unless you make it worth their while. And that is what's occurring. And that is what, uh, that, is what that pundit just said. Look, you're not going to go kill yourself on a job. Why do it? Why do it? It's not important. So we are having a major recalibration in society. Now, when he talks about the Marshall Plan, I agree with uh, Michael Rudnan. The Marshall Plan is what we also call the Green New Deal. Now, just like Build Back Better may not be the best moniker, the Green New Deal also is not the best moniker. Norman Reynolds, welcome aboard. He says, we are the unwashed masses compared to the bubble of the ultra-rich families. When will our right-wing neighbors see it? They continue austerity to starve their less fortunate neighbors and themselves. Absolutely, Norman. Carl Cox says, stock market is rig- a rigged pyramid scheme that favors the mega-rich. And not only that, the stock market, you know, I've, I've explained this to a lot of people. The stock market is a, no, it's absolutely no different than a gambling casino. There is no correlation between the value of a stock and the actual value of a company, meaning the total assets and the true amortized value of what that thing is going to sell. That is how, if you really wanted to see what is this company really valued at, right? You would have to amortize what profits that company is likely to make plus What's the value of its depreciated assets? That is how you would figure out, oh, what that company is because that could be converted into fixed dollars. Now, they have all kinds of fancy terms they like to use. EBITDA and all these kinds of things. Uh, EBITDA, earnings before taxes, all that kind of crap they use, right? There is only one value a company really has. And don't let anybody fool you. The stock market is nothing but a gambling tree. Michael Rudnan, my brother, says, I have to disagree with you about the Green New Deal being a bad moniker. The Green New Deal is an economic push towards uplifting the people with the aim of green infrastructure investment. Michael, I agree with your, uh, listen, I agree with your statement. 
It's just that a Green New Deal means something to you and me because we believe in those things. For somebody who is an oil touting type of a person, a Green New Deal to them sounds like a threat. Green New Deal? There goes the oil. I need the oil. That's what I'm talking about. In what we're doing, in the things that I write or hope to write, one of the things I'm learning to do or I'm trying to learn to do, I can talk to the choir, you, Michael. You would be my choir, right? Because you think the way I do. But if I'm only talking to you, we are not expanding the base. We're not doing much. However, if we can start creating monikers that somehow can touch not only the Michael Rodnins, but the Exxon aficionados, that is the magic. I am no expert in finding that magic. I'm all ears. I'm all ears. Uh, let's see what else we got here from people talking. Uh, let's see. Jessica Taylor, welcome aboard. Carl Cox, I think I saluted you already. Davenport, I saluted you already as well. Uh, free speech for the people. I used to work when I was at Move to Amend. I was actually on the board at Move to Amend. Uh, let's see. Egberto Reed, Republicans have to be dragged kicking and screaming into a brighter future. Unfortunately, that's the truth. But that's what we have to do nicely to encourage people. Oh, it's that time. Hey, guess what? Bridge MCP, I remembered on my own. Folks, those, those of you that are into politics and right on YouTube, please consider clicking that join button and becoming a part of the PDR Posse. We need you. Please help us continue doing what we're doing because that's the only way we can continue doing what we're doing. So just go ahead and click that join button if you're on YouTube. If you do that now and become a supporter during the show, I'll Post it real quickly on the screen for everybody to see your kind support. Otherwise, I'll tell you thank you later on if you do it. All the ways of support is via uh, our support link, politicsandright.com slash support, politicsandright.com slash support. That gives you all the other options that we provide to have you support us. I'm going to put the, the Patreon here as well today. Uh, I've been doing it later because we, we need some patrons to sign up politicsandright.com slash Patreon. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. We need a thousand. We only have 130 or so. We need a thousand on um, on YouTube. We only have about 303, I believe. Uh, so please consider either clicking that join button to become a part of the PDR Posse or uh, click on politicsandright.com slash Patreon. Of course, you can support us anytime you buy our books. You are supporting us as well, politicsandright.com slash books. And if you buy our T-shirts and all the other stuff we have, uh, you can buy that at YouTube. You'll see all the, the rack there on YouTube. Or you can get it at, uh, where? oops, wrong, at our store. I didn't click on the store. Go to politicsandright.com slash store. All right, I got another video for you. This one here is, um, this one here is, Representative Mo, I think it's, Mo, what is his name? Mo Khanna. And he wanted to let everybody know, you know, people have been giving, giving Biden a hard time. And he's like, you know, uh, Biden, Biden needs to stop trying to earn support from the centrists because the ones who have turned out to be the best friend for Biden has been the progressives in these recent times. The ones who defended him out of Afghanistan, 
were progressives. The ones who've had his back thus far has been progressives. The ones who were ready to turn on him have been those so-called centrists. Check this out. Normally, higher wage number one thing Wrong to seduce one. people back into the workforce. Why isn't it happening? I, I think that you. That's got the wrong saying, one. Let's see if I, I, I got it here. Survival, <laughs> right? So I think fifteen dollars an hour. Was... As an observer here, I have not understood the motivation of holding back the infrastructure bill. It, you look at it. This president could use a bill signing pretty badly right now if you look at his poll numbers. And if the only reason this is being held back is because the two sides don't trust each other, then I might look at this and say, well, then you're never going to get to yes on either of these. Because if, if distrust is at the center of this strategy, I don't know how you get over distrust. I think we will get to yes. I think the point is that there are a lot of concerns with the bipartisan infrastructure bill, particularly on climate. People say, OK, we're fine building more highways. But you can't just build more highways if there's not going to be some concern about the climate impact. So let's have electric vehicles. Let's have a civilian core. Let's have some retrofitting. Let's have some clean energy standard. And if you do that, then we're going to build modern infrastructure with climate uh, there. But to just pass, okay, we want to have more highways and roads and not have the climate part People, including our House Transportation Chair, has concerns with that. But I believe we will get to, to a yes on both of them. I want to ask you on the on the larger um, philosophy you have on this bill, um, which is, you're not look even at three point five trillion to do everything on your wish list. If things get smaller, is your philosophy that you include a little bit of everything and just cut down the size? Or do you end up lopping off big programs and do a few things big and right? You see where I'm going here? You know, do you do a little bit of, of pre-K or do you say, you know what, we're going to do all this pre-K. We're not going to be able to do affordable housing this round or something in that. It, what is your philosophy? A little bit of everything or a couple of things big and correct? Which I don't want to negotiate on meet the press when our position is the $3.5 which is actually the Biden agenda. But I will say this. Uh, the progressives have always been willing to have back and forth. We have never drawn a red line. And if the question is, what is the priority? I think the priority is investing in the key needs of the American people, in child care, in dental, in vision being covered in Medicare, in community college being free. And we can look at how long those investments should last and the scope of those investments. Uh, I believe $3.5 trillion was already the compromise. Uh, but we have never, look, Chuck, we never did something that those 10 centrists did. Name me a time where the progressives have actually threatened to hold up the agenda. And the irony here is that the progressives have the president's back. We're the ones who've been on TV, on cable news, defending the withdrawal. We're the ones who are saying, let's get the Biden agenda passed. Uh, his strongest allies have actually been the progressives in Congress. And Mokana is, uh, Rokana is actually very correct. The ones who's had the president back has been the progressives. Centrists and these moderates have always been a whole bunch of weaklings. I'm sorry, because they're owned. They are owned. The, the, the corporatocracy tells them what to do, how far they can go. That's what it's all about. The progressive has had the man's back and, you know, and, and they've had his back because, you know, for all practical purposes, he has performed for them. Now they're expecting him to perform on the $3.5 trillion. What I would do to guys like Cinema 
and uh, and uh, to, to women like Cinema and guys like Mansion is to go into each of their dis well in each of their states and ask them what in this three point five trillion dollars that will do X Y Z for your state would you like us to get rid of? What would you like us to get rid of? This $3.5 trillion is over 10 years or 8 years, and it's here because of the neglect that we've had over the last several decades. You didn't have a problem spending $2.3 trillion on one war in, in Afghanistan, not to speak about what was spent in Iraq, not to speak about what was spent all over the wasteful world of the military-industrial complex. So please tell us, of that $3.5 trillion in human infrastructure, what would you like to get rid of? Cinema and mansion. What would you like to get rid of? And that is the question they should be asked. Now, I want to hit up something about Antifa because, and I want to read exactly what uh, Hayes said. Antifa teacher exposed and fired not because of the school, but the parents getting pissed at the garage ideologue. School only did something because they got caught. Wake up, this is stuff normal people are worried about, not the elitist teacher pushing this. Okay, you know, here's what happened. And I'm not even going to blame those parents. Antifa! It's a terrorist organization! Antifa! Antifa stands for anti-fascist. And they have been fighting the fascists that will be affecting even those teachers who don't... I mean, those parents who are ignorant to what anti-fascist is. To understand that they are a, or they're, that they're hitting a fascist system. So what happens is the right wing has miseducated, miseducated a whole bunch of right wingers, a whole bunch of conservatives, miseducated, and now they're coming to attack a, a teacher that believes in what Antifa believes in. And what does Antifa believe in? We are going to extricate fascism from America. They are real Americans. Antifa, real Americans. Don't forget it. Antifa, real Americans. Okay? So, if, uh, if, if Eric Hayes believed he was going to bring up, oh, look at how the school is... Got rid of, and the school succumbed to the pressure of the parents to get rid of the teacher. The teacher was actually doing a good thing. He was getting his students politically involved in anti-fascist behavior. That was a good thing. He wasn't teaching them to be terrorists. He was te unlike what what uh, the the Proud Boys, etc. They are fascists. They are insurrectionists. They are terrorists. Those are those white supremacists. They are terrorists. So uh, I don't know why you put that there, Hayes, but I think you brought it to the wrong place. If you somehow thought that was going to get us, like, oh my God, Antifa, those people are t no Antifa. If you understand reality, if you understand reality, you'd understand that Antifa is not a terrorist organization. Antifa is not a bad thing. Okay? 
All right, Maywood said the centrists are anything but in the center. Bernie Warren are actually closer to the center. Heck, thank you. Who said that? Maywood. I, you know, it, it's funny because what you know, like like I've always said, I'm to the left of Bernie. When you see that Bernie is called the left, it's quite amazing. All right, let's see. Michael Renner, Egberto, please read this. Sure, Michael. The cost of the war on terror and its catastrophic consequences at home and abroad are a staggering $21 trillion, according to a new report. Imagine what we could have done with that money if used it for human needs rather than killing people. Absolutely. Now, Eric Hayes acts as if $2.3 trillion under 20 years is not a big deal. That is $100 billion a year. What we're talking about, the, the $2.3 trillion for uh, infrastructure bill is actually for 10 years. Oh, my God. So we add that plus the Iraq war plus all these other things that was just spoken about. Come on, guys. All right. We also have here from Robert Davenport says progressives are more in line with the majority of Democratic voters and average Americans of any political stripes on the important issues facing us today. Actually, you are correct. If you ask people, if you put out all the things progressives believe in and you put, put it into a form and ask all Americans if they agree with it, it turns out that always, always over 60% of Americans support what progressives support. Uh, hey, Eric Hayes, he didn't get caught. Somebody just found out he was doing a good thing. That's all. Not about caught. So he got laid off. He was some other, I hope some other school district in a more sensible location, will pick him up. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, no, no nothings and Antifa. And every movement between should be presented and discussed in every high school. History and civics written about English class, da -da 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 -da, math classes, graph, etc. Let's see. Uh, Antifa and every movement in between should be presented. Absolutely, I agree. I agree. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Eric Hay says, whoa, Egberto, you are talking about young kids. Yes. You know, you know when I had to teach my, my – I am in Kingwood. You, you live in Kingwood too, Eric Hayes, or in this area. I, my daughter was eight years old. I think she was eight. I think she was going into the first grade. I had to sit my daughter down because my daughter was going to be one or the two – either one or two of the only black kids in her class. You don't have to do this because your kid is white, Brother Eric. But I had to sit down because I know the hurt that my daughter was going to feel the first time somebody told her something negative that they've heard in their own home. So I sat my daughter down before my daughter went into her first first grade class. And I said, babe, this country, when you go into school, a lot of people are going to look at your pigmentation. What's that, dad? The color of your skin, beautiful. And just because of that, some of your friends are not going to like you. And my, my daughter had a few tears in her eyes as I spoke to her about that. And I wanted those first tears on this issue to be with me. And the reason I wanted it to be with me is by the time she got the sting, by the time she got that sting, it would not have stung. She would have been inoculated to it. And it did happen. I also told my daughter, because she was popular uh, early as she, when she was young, every single party she was into, you know, she was, that, it was okay. And I looked at my daughter before it happened and I said, the invitation to parties 
will fall as time goes on. Why, Daddy? I explained it all to her. When the sting came, when she heard of parties that she didn't know about, and how comes you are my friend and I didn't know about that? She knew. You see, empathy is important. And a lot of my white brothers and sisters that are empathetic and understand those things, they would tell me all of the times, Egberto, I get it. I get it. Because it is true. You see, your kid, Eric Hayes, that is never, every pain that your kid has to go through, my kid will as well. But there are certain pains my kid won't have to go, has to go through your kid and you will never have to go through. Okay? And I, with a smile on my face, I promote these things. In the books that I write, I talk about these things in a manner to try for those who don't yet have empathy to maybe grow some, to maybe build some. Okay? You ask every person of color that's in this room right now, the talk they've had, for those that are sensible, that is, the talks that they've had with their kids about driving. Ask them all these questions. So when we hear things about Antifa teaching people things at a younger age, I look at it as inoculating kids against fascism early in life so that they will understand it as they grow old, so that they cannot be indoctrinated. And by the time they learn and understand what it is, that it's no longer a failure. That's what it's all about. That's, and when you learn that, when you learn that, when you are sufficiently empathetic about that, we can talk. Don't you ever forget that. Don't you ever, ever, ever forget that. When you come with these stories about, oh, look at this, or look at what this person from Black Lives Matter is doing. Look at what this person is doing here. Whenever you have that to say, say it in the right place. Because you know what? You have yet, you have yet to see what 40% of the people in this country has gone through. From the Native Americans, to the Black Americans, to the Asian Americans, to the, to the, uh, to the Americans who are not, or, or, or to the disabled Americans. Until you learn and see that, then you don't know what you're talking about. And if you, if you listen to what I'm saying, and you don't get it, remember what I say about people, folks, I and I want to make this clear. I give everybody the opportunity to atone. I, not only do I give everybody the opportunity to atone, I make sure that I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. I assume, Mr. Hayes, that in your white household, you didn't have the, you, you never had to see the things that many of us have had to go through. So you don't know. I am telling you now, and many of us in this room, women could tell you what women have had to go through. Others can tell you what they've had to go through. 
if you cannot see it after you've been told, after you've been instructed, after you've been educated, then you are insane. But you're not only insane, but you're lacking of morals. You are lacking of morals. And not only are you lacking of morals, but the Christianity that many of you claim to have based on who Jesus Christ is. I, I am not a Jesus Christ guy. I'm a humanist. Although I do believe that Jesus Christ walked the earth. But if you cannot understand that, then you're morally corrupt and I'm speaking to everybody who is hearing my voice, who after learning these things, do not understand. Okay? Eric, thank you for bringing that up because that is something that needed to be said. And I need to bring up, for those of you that I'm not going to get to your message, I, want, I, I did see a message scroll that said Antifa is not an organization. And that is absolutely correct. Antifa is not a... A, a centralized organization like the Proud Boys are, or any of these other things are. Okay? Antifa is a loosely connected group of people who share the belief that we will not allow the United States of America to become a fascist state. Alright? That is what Antifa stands for. And the reason Antifa gets so much pushback the reason Antifa gets so much pushback, it's because it's a threat to white supremacy in this country. And luckily, luckily, enough people of all hues, including my white brothers and sisters that are damn great followers, damn great friends, also share the belief that until we become that country, not colorblind, because we'll never be. We don't become colorblind, fat blind, uh, skinny blind, or anything like that. That's not what I'm asking for. What we become. And, and it's not tolerant either. I don't like that tolerant thing. I don't tolerate bridge. I don't tolerate others. I live among others. Because others is who we are. Others is who we are. Don't ever forget that. And this, we need to change that word tolerance. We're not tolerating people. We're living among people. We're living among our brothers and sisters. It's so, so, so important for us to get there. Hey, guys, sorry for going all there, but I needed, you know, Eric, Eric opened that door that I think needed to be uh, said. Okay? Eric opened that door that needed to be said. Uh, Antifa is, uh, Antifa, well, I'm not even going to go and touch the violence part of Antifa because until you come out and tell me that proud boys are terrorists and that terrorists need to be beat down, then we can talk. Until you tell me that all those crazies that were at the Capitol are violent animals, then we won't have, we can't talk. That's what they are. All right, folks, let me tell you, we had a great show. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope all of us learned from each other. And uh, going forward, let's see. I, I got to read what uh, Bree said. 
Egberto, Eric's, in Eric's defense, the teacher made a case for violently overthrowing the U.S. government. Like, why aren't people just taking up arms? Like, why can't we, you know, take up arms against the state? We have historical examples of that happening. Look, uh, I, I am going to, I, I didn't see that, I didn't see that statement, uh, Bridge MCP. I didn't see that statement at all. Uh, I didn't see that statement. If the teacher was encouraging anybody to pick up arm, he has to go. I didn't know if that's literal or figurative or figurative. And that I'll, that, that I'll take back. If he, if he said that, absolutely, absolutely needs to go. But a blanket statement against Antifa is a different thing altogether. Norman says, if you can't see the experience of your fellow unwashed neighbor, you do not share our stated values. All right. Okay, great. Um, look, and, and again, I, you know, whenever I'm corrected, folks, I don't have a problem correcting. So, Eric, if what you are talking about is the, is the guy that says arms, that pick up arms, and he was fired because of arms... He was trying to create a violent insurrection. Absolutely. Uh, I, am, I am with the teacher has to go and the teacher shouldn't be. I, I am there. You guys know how I am. I have no problem saying on that particular issue, I am wrong. A quick statement to Eric Hayes. No, I didn't read the piece about the arms, but I must say if the teacher brought up arms, it's a bad thing if he was encouraging young people to do that. And if that is all you were talking about, Eric Hayes, and notice I do this on air, I apologize for hitting you up on that specific teacher. I do not, however, apologize on your constancy of attacking Antifa without knowing exactly what Antifa stands for. Just needed to make that clear. But again, all good. Let's keep on listening to the program and having fun. That's how we learn together, peeps. Anyhow. Um, we got to get out of here. Please, folks, remember to support us. Click on that join button to become a part of our posse. Or remember to go to politicsunright.com slash support to find a way of support. Politicsunright.com slash support. And uh, get, go get our books if you, if you have the wherewithal too. Good stuff in the books. Politicsunright.com slash books. There we go. All right. My name is Egberto Willies. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.